Have you ever seen any of the National Treasure movies? Everything in the city is a clue. Oh, did you steal me the Constitution? Because that could be the start of a really dumb movie. We're gonna have a three-way with the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to National Treasure by the Minute. I'm Carrie Fox and I'll be your host. Our beautiful film that we're examining by the minute is going to be the National Treasure itself, National Treasure made in 2004. And uh, I'm going to say right now, obviously this, this podcast is going to have spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, I'd suggest just go watch it and then come back and listen to this. And you can have fun laughing along with all the stupid little things we pick up on the way. This podcast was inspired by um, Star Wars Minute, which is a podcast that I enjoy listening to. I really love like in-depth analysis and and I just did the um the first minute to examine all of this and and I was just like oh my gosh this is so intimidating like how am I going to talk for so long about one minute but then there's a lot of stuff you can actually find if you unpack something and look in really close so yeah so IMDb describes National Treasure as a historian races to find the legendary Templar treasure before a team of mercenaries, which I feel like it's a pretty lackluster <laughs> uh, synopsis for the true excitement and splendor of the film that is National Treasure. And just Nicolas Cage, like, ah, uh, just gotta love it. Love it! I just watched it today to, like, recap myself because I hadn't seen it in a while. And Sean Bean is in this, apparently. Like, I had, I totally forgot that he was in this. And, like, I feel like I haven't seen him in so long and things. But, yeah, really popular in, like, the early, mid-2000s, I guess. So, National Treasure also won a BMI Film Music Award. It was nominated for other awards as well, but it didn't win any. It only won the one for the music. IMDb says the TV show Treasure Hunter in 2006 was inspired by the film. It's also been mentioned on shows like Parks and Rec, Castle, Gilmore Girls, and parodied on SNL. A classic movie seen in movie stores and movies everywhere. It's National Treasure by the Minute. This movie exists on such a weird plane of existence of like... It's it's a PG-rated film, but it's so appealing, I feel like, to... I For me, I'm 23 now. I just had my birthday a couple days ago. And um, it I feel like I kind of grew up with this film. And, like, it was, it was very exciting to watch it when I was younger. But I feel like it's really stuck with me. It's kind of, like, almost like a cult classic. But, like, it obviously doesn't, like... I don't know, it, it's this weird mix of, like, cult classic, but also, like, kids, like, adventure flick, and, and I think that's a really interesting blend, and I feel like it's fun to almost just, like, examine it ironically from this outside perspective, because it's such a an odd film in a way, just because, like, Nicolas Cage combined with the complicated, like, mystery of the Founding Fathers and everything, and it's just a very different film than you often see in in the theater. So, yeah, that's why we're exploring it, and I just think it'll be super fun because it's, it's just a very unique film. Okay, so let's get into it. We're at minute zero. Wow. The first five seconds, we get this period of, like, blank black space 
And this is really where we're just like building the anticipation, it's putting us in the mood, like it's basically just taking some time for the audience to like quiet down, get ready to view the film, and like we're getting excited, which is really what it's all about, man. Like you can't just go into like a film without having any like preparation, thoughtfulness beforehand, so it's basically what the first five seconds are about, and I really appreciate it, you know, uh, coming from a theater background as well, I feel like it's like the calm before the play starts, just that moment of total silence that's just really powerful to me. And so as the silence ends, we hear some ambient noises coming in and some of the soundtrack coming in, and we see the Disney logo appear the Walt Disney Pictures logo and the um, the ambient noises kind of peak as the star goes over the Disney castle, which is kind of interesting because they're like looping the soundtrack in with the action, which obviously is just a convention of how uh, it emphasizes the the animation. But I just thought that was kind of cool, something cool to observe. I'm just going to pull up the movie real quick. Don't even have the movie on. The interesting thing about the Disney logo actually is that before the movie got its PG rating, it was under Touchstone Pictures, so it which is part of Disney. But when it got its PG rating, it found that like the movie was going to be more for like a, a children's audience or a younger audience, so they put the Disney label on the film. And I got that from IMDb, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's basically where I'm getting all of my facts. Like I don't know these things. I'm trying my best trying so hard. Another interesting thing about the Disney logo is that it did not include the castle until they premiered the Black Cauldron in 1985. I don't know if any of y'all remember the Black Cauldron. I was born after that, <laughs> eight years in fact, but I do remember it being on like the VHS trailers for the Disney movies we had at our house, so I mean... It's kind of nostalgic for me, even though I haven't seen the movie, but I remember that trailer and, like, thinking it was so cool and wanting to see the movie, but I never have. I should watch it. The D in Disney always stumped me as well. Like, I never realized it was a D until high school. Like, I always thought it was this weird squealy thing, and, like, it was just, like, Walt Disney. Like, oh. Oh, it's an actual D. Like, please take some calligraphy classes, Walt. Um... It's probably similar to my own learnings of another kind of D in high school, but that's another story. Next, we see the Jerry Bruckheimer film's logo. We're traveling along a road somewhere, which appears to be the Midwest of the U.S. Lightning strikes a barren tree, and it becomes full again. Um, what's interesting is that the logo doesn't include the title like it often does, so I'm thinking maybe it's like written in invisible ink or something, because the whole visible ink theme of the film, but I don't know, that one, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah, the logo used to be full screen and then would zoom out really quickly to reveal the title, but maybe they've changed it because now the image gets like enclosed by this yellow border as it gets smaller and fades out and then the title's non-existent, so maybe Jerry Bruckheimer just thinks he's famous enough that he doesn't need to put his name in the logo, but... We hear thunder from the Jerry Bruckheimer film's logo during the blackness, and this continues 
into the opening of the door, which I think is super cool because it's like you're blurring the line between like what is the storyline and what's not because like even in that opening sequence, like we go, it's the logo and then it's blending into the opening thing. And if they use, they do use the the logo for National Treasure 2, it actually blends into the opening scene. So that's kind of a theme we can pick up through the the series. And uh, I just thought that was super cool because they're they're incorporating these corporate aspects of the filmmaking into the actual setting. So I thought that was really interesting. So first scene, we get this classic door opening sound. Yeah, you know, I I love a good door opening sound. Like, let's just have a listen, shall we? Like, ah. Oh. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. So we see a flash of lightning and young Ben Gates, played by Hunter Gomez, turns on the light to the attic. And may I just say, Hunter is a fucking cool name for a kid or just random person in general. Like, oh, my name's Hunter. Yeah, like I make tables in my shadow back and just husking down the, the wood. It's very... Very organic. Makes me feel closer to nature, you know? I just love that. <laughs> wow, I just made up a totally original character of Ryan Gosling from The Notebook, but okay. Um, I actually did a little bit of digging <laughs> on Mr. Hunter Gomez, and uh, he's 24 now, and I can vouch that he has grown to become a bit of a hottie. Uh, not my cup of tea, but I can, I can certainly acknowledge that, like, He's got some good looks. Like, he's got, he's got, like, an Aaron Carter vibe going on. Even though, like, Aaron Carter now kind of lo looks like he's done a lot of mess. But, um, he's got something going on. At least from all these douchey pics that I'm seeing on his website, which is huntergomez.com, by the way, if you want to check it out. Um, on his website is actually, it's, oh man, it's just so cringe for me. He, he introduces us to his website by saying this. Hi! If you're reading this, you're probably wondering who I am. No, I literally sought this out um, because I saw you in this movie and I'm making this weird podcast. Sometimes I wonder the same thing. To put this simply, I'm a young man exploring my love of the arts and charity through the medium of acting. Welcome to my website. Take a peek around. And if you need to, drop me a line. Well, I'm certainly not going to drop you a line, thanks. But <laughs> doesn't doesn't sound like the type of guy for me. But it just strikes me a little bit odd. <laughs> You're probably wondering who I am. Oh, sometimes I wonder the same thing. <laughs> okay, we get it. You're great at writing. But the title actually says, Welcome to my world, like we give a fuck. He just sounds like one of those guys on Tumblr who's like, Welcome to my twisted mind. It's just like baseline creative effort put in, indicating how much of a douche you are. And I went to his about section. I'm like borderline stalking right now. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll see what happens. You put your info out there, so. Um, I could copy and paste my Wikipedia, but oh, oh, he has Wikipedia. Oh, wow. He's got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, my God. Get in my pants. Um... I could copy and paste my Wikipedia bio, but that would be so boring, wouldn't it? I always love asking us questions. I love it. Um, that would be so boring, wouldn't it? I always feel like people's, no apostrophe, people's about pages are so static, so 
official quote. I'll try and make mine a bit more honest. I have been acting since I was young. I have been blessed to continually work on great projects, but that's nothing my IMDb couldn't tell you. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for, like, subtly, like, patronizing everyone that's reading your shit. Like, I love it. I love it. He also says he reads a book every two weeks, so, like, get in line, ladies. I mean, wow. He says his favorite music is stuff like Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, and My Chemical Romance, so this just backs up my Tumblr douche theory. To put it simply, I'm just another human being on this planet, doing my best to love, learn, and explore. You know, I can accept that. I mean, like, aren't we all? Aren't we all just, like, trying and fucking just, just learn and, like, live life, you know? I love it, but, like... I feel like he's missing some of that like existential sadness that plagues everyone. So he was actually nominated for a Young Artist Award for National Treasure for Best Performance in a Feature Film as like a supporting young actor, but he didn't win. But he did win the next year for a short film called Rocket Boy. Well, congratulations, Hunter. Oh my god, you definitely deserve it. It's not like you're, you're like super rich or anything, <laughs> which I found out by like checking his Instagram, but we'll see. I don't know. Is he rich from the movies or did he become a child actor because his parents were rich? I don't know. I have to assume the second one. Yeah. So he's got a Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. I'm not going to list all of them. You can go to his website for those, but I did check out his Instagram and after looking at his Instagram, I realized He's friends with David Henry, who is, or Henri, I don't know, is he French? Who knows? But he's the older brother on Wizards of Waverly Place, and he's, like, my total guy crush. I love him. Like, oh, my God. He's so cute. I just, oh, he's so handsome. So instead of following Hunter, I just follow David. So, like, screw you, Hunter. I don't care. I just care about my sexy man. Sexy man, Henry. David, whatever, Henry, who cares? Oh my god, he's such a douche. Like, I'm just looking through his Instagram right now, and it's just, like, a picture of him doing, like, a what's up pose, like, in front of a Ferrari that says, racing Ferraris at three in Bible study by five. What's up? <laughs> oh my god. God, why? I hate it. Ugh. It's always like the creepy like bible thumping like families that are in show business so weird he also seems like kind of racist like he has like <laughs> he has a picture of jesus and is like as christians around the world are executed in iraq libya sudan and nigeria i am honored to give testimony like what uh, why like why bring that up like first of all like let's like, failing to understand the nuances of many, many <laughs> conflicts in many parts of the world. I don't know. I don't even know what he's talking about. Like, I haven't read on the news a lot of, like, Christians being murdered. But, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, there's been a lot of, like, people of differing religions and Christianity murdered in the world. But, who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> somebody, he has a picture of him with, like, Bill Clinton and one of the commenters just commented Monica Lewinsky with, like, the sexy, like, side-eye emoji. <laughs> I love it. I don't want to examine all the, the, the implications of, of that, but 
<laughs> Let's just laugh. I love that noise I just made. <laughs> okay, so back to the film. <laughs> Why don't we just get back to the film? We see him switch the lights on and literally, like, every lamp in the room turns on somehow. And I just feel like this is just a convention of film that you don't notice normally, but obviously I watched this minute over like a million times and I was like, well, that's a mistake. But yeah, so he, so he switches on all the lights in the room and like if this were real, he'd like flick it on, climb over all the junk to turn on the light in the corner, then turn on the lights on the desk. Like, I feel like this is pretty high-tech 70s shit to have, like, all the plug outlets hooked up to that one switch, so... I mean, I guess if you want to plug something in and have it work, you've got to have all the lights on, too, so... I don't know, maybe that's just how people lived back then. <laughs> I wouldn't know, I'm so young. Such a youngin'. Those damn millennials. Lightning and thunder happen at the exact same time, which is another convention. I mean, in real life, you hear, no, you see the lightning first, and then you hear the thunder a couple seconds later. So if this were true in the film, the lightning would be, like, right next to them, and they would probably be, like, having to be in the basement, like, sheltered or, like, evacuators. I have no idea. I haven't personally been in, like, a lightning storm that close, but who knows? Maybe in the 70s it was just like this all the time. Yeah, so clearly wouldn't make sense in real life for the sound to be that way, but that's just something that you pick up when you watch films all the time. I mean, I have no life, so. So he flicks on the light. We see an exposition title that indicates that we are in Washington, D.C. in 1974, which I find suspicious. Like, did they, did they have electricity back then? Because, like, I doubt it classic flashlight into the camera lens shot that we see as he looks around the attic for whatever he's looking for. We don't know yet, do we? We're gonna find out though, I'm sure, in like three episodes. <laughs> I feel like back then they made flashlights like so flimsy. Like if you look at the rim, it looks like plastic. And I feel like all the flashlights I interact with in my life are like metal, like strong metal. And this is probably just due to my, like, privilege, obviously. <laughs> and, like, I have a theater background, so I know that we don't fuck around with flashlights. Like, we take flashlights so seriously. So maybe that's why I haven't seen a plastic flashlight in a while. But also, it's back in the 70s where everything was just, like, sewage just floating down the street and just chaos. So I can understand that. He's also sporting a super cute jean jacket with, like, a little stripy <laughs> Ernie and Bert, like, <laughs> like stripy shirt on, which is super cute. Little kid's also got some Converse-type shoes on. It's like, the three lines make me think it's Adidas, but I have no idea. Like, again, it's in the 70s. Did Adidas even exist? Or did Converse exist? I don't know. I wasn't there. Is it possible to give an accurate account of history due to human bias? I mean, one will never know. And then we hear this sick floor creak, bro. Like, let's let's listen to that sick floor creak. Let's just... Oh, beautiful. I love it. Can't get enough of that. Those friggin' sound effects. Like, love it. We also see this, like, sick lightning as it, like, lights up this side-on shot of the kid, which I thought was really cool. Like, if you pause it, it's nice. You can see, like, the little ship, little model ship that they've got on the desk. And you actually see that 
they haven't lit the two lights on the desk. So it's not like every single light is connected to the one light switch. It's just that like only a chosen few are connected. So pretty cool planning by whoever designed the the decor of the house. I mean, kudos. So we hear the creak of the floor, the lightning strikes, and then the kid shuts off his flashlight. And I'm like, why? Why? Uh, <laughs> first of all, why do you need a flashlight? Like, if you turned on the lights, doesn't that negate the need of a flashlight? And it, like, he kind of looks over his shoulder like he's trying to, like, he thinks he's going to get in trouble. So I guess, like, the lightning, like, scared him, which causes him to feel like he needs to turn the flashlight off as if he's gonna, like, get caught or something. But, like, if he didn't want to get caught, why would he turn the lights on and leave the door wide open? Like, it just seems like a logical flaw to me, but, I mean, he's just a young kid, so young kids do stupid things all the time. I mean, I would know. Also, just lastly, I'd like to observe that he seems to have, like, a pretty pretty nice bowl cut going on. But, I mean, it's no Eric Lloyd from the Santa Claus, like, that little kid. That was, that was like, an A-plus bowl cut. But, oh, and by the way, San the Santa Claus, I just realized recently that that is, like, the Santa Claus. Like, it's a play on word because he is, like, obligated to be Santa Claus. It's like a binding contract that since he murdered Santa, he has to be the Santa Claus. And I was like, oh my god, that's like the most brilliant titling I've ever heard. So good. Ugh, I can't get over it. The Santa Claus. Ugh, so good. Spelled with an E. Like, why didn't I notice that? Is that how Santa Claus is spelled? I don't think so. I'm not sure. But, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Films. This is why I got into film studies. I mean, the Santa Claus. But seriously, like, everybody laughs at me in film studies. Well, I'm graduated now, but, like, everybody would laugh at me in classes because, like, I, I'm just into, like, the mainstream shit. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, the classics, the classics. And I'm like, fuck no, like, fucking Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Like, oh, it's the best. And, like, oh, Fast, Fast and Furious, yes. But I don't know. I wrote, like, my final paper on Chappie, which, like, everybody thinks is a horrible movie, but, like, oh, I love it. love it so much. One of my favorite movies. Anyway, now that you can judge me super hard for loving Chappie, then I'll probably end the episode here, because first minute, I've gone into a lot of detail, I feel. <laughs> I mean, I planned for this to be 30 minutes, and I looked, and I was just like, how the fuck am I going to talk about this for 30 minutes? But I guess that... Going, going deep into the life of a child actor was something that lengthened it a little bit, but who knows? I don't know. We'll see. I'm looking forward to the next minute. I hope you are too. I'll see you next time on National Treasure by the Minute. Thanks. Bye-bye. The song used in this podcast is called Brems Purpuratin, and it's on SoundCloud by Todeskurve, T-O-D-E-S-K-U-R-V-E, and you can check that out on SoundCloud. I'll also link it in the show notes and things like that. Really appreciate um, using Creative Commons license so that people can use their music on uh, things like these, so I thank you very much, and you guys should check that out. 